Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we talk with leaders in our community. Joining us today is the Executive Director for Support 7, Shannon Sessions. It's so good to have you here today. I've been so excited to learn more about Support 7. It is an organization that's been going since 1981. Tell us all about it and why you're so passionate about it. Thank you, Lori, and thank you for having us today. While we've been serving more than 40 years, it's what we like to call below the radar. The people who really know about us are first responders in South Snohomish County, police and fire, and the medical examiner's office and the dispatchers, but also, of course, the people where bad things have happened, victims, of crisis and trauma, and they know who we are. It's been part of my plan in the last couple of years that we need to be above the radar now because for a nonprofit, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, does take money, finances, volunteers, special volunteers and people to work alongside us and to help. And the only way to do that is to let people know about what we do and tell our stories. And so what does Support 7 do? For more than 40 years, there's two arms of Support 7. The first arm is our first responder crisis responders, also known as first responder chaplains. And we respond 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year on scene alongside our police and firefighters to serve anyone where there's been an unexpected death. And that could be an unexpected natural death. It could be a death by suicide, homicide, or other fatality, whether it's in the public or at a business. We come alongside police and firefighters. Mostly it's the battalion chief. A person calls 911. Let's start there. Person calls 911 and something awful has happened. They woke up and their day was normal and then bam, trauma happens. Trauma is the great equalizer. It doesn't matter who you are, how much money you make, how old you are, how young you are, what language you speak. It's not a matter of if, but when it's going to happen. And when that happens and you need to make that call, police and or fire come. It's there that they decide whether or not a chaplain needs to be called. And while chaplain is a religious name, a connotation, we're not there to necessarily convert people or pray with them, although we can do that. But our goal is to get them back on their feet, to walk them through the next steps in their darkest moment, to really be a friend. We know the resources and what's happening in that moment and to kind of be their eyes and ears. And we treat them as if they were our own family. I have to mention, this is so important that not only are we there for the victims and families who are left behind, but we're also there for the first responders. So all of our chaplains are also embedded in all the different um, South County police and fire agencies. We serve them directly too. So we know who our people are. We know if somebody just had a baby and now we're on an infant death scene, or we know that so-and-so just lost their mother and we're on a woman who had just passed. And so we're there for them for that. Really, the most important part of this is we're there to comfort those who need it while the police officers and firefighters can do their jobs and they can leave the scene with a clear conscience to go to the next call. Because what's interesting is, and I'm a former um, firefighter, I'm married to a firefighter, 
I have an interesting background in public safety. Like I said, involved with the firefighting side, but also I was public information officer for Linwood Police for a lot of years. I still serve with Behind the Badge um, on their response team. Behind the Badge is the individuals who respond to in-line of duty deaths for police departments. With all of that, what I know about first responders and their hearts and potential PTSD isn't usually all the gory things they see. It's more about what they couldn't do or if they had a regret and because they're helpers by nature. And if for some reason they leave a scene feeling like they were able to do something to help, that's the part that sticks in, in their hearts and that they have regret over. And so by us being there and being available to them, what they're doing is they see these people, there's this awful thing that's happened. They have these family members or neighbors or whoever there, it's chaotic, they're crying, they're grieving and firefighters and police officers have to say, oh, sorry, we got to go now to the next call. And that is what hurts in their heart, but, but not in South County. What they do instead is they get on their radio and they say, Snowcom, send a chaplain to my location. And they know they can tell that person, I have somebody coming for you who's going to help you, somebody I trust, somebody who's going to help you with the next steps and walk you through and be a friend to you as long as you need it. And they know that in their hearts that we will take care of that. And that's a checkbox in their heart. And I just can't say enough about that. You sent me a video. So many things stood out. Number one is when I first saw Support 7, I thought about it as for the people going through the trauma. But what I heard on the video was that from the officers and the firefighters is how grateful they are and how they feel taken care of as well. And they said, sometimes we need a minute and we go inside the van. How did all that come about? There's two arms to support seven, the first responder chaplains. And then the other arm is what we call our support seven coach. It's our emergency response team vehicle that is staffed with highly skilled, highly passionate, compassionate volunteers. It is stocked with snacks and coffee and beverages. We have a bathroom. It's a motorhome that comes to the scene, usually house fires or commercial fires where somebody might be displaced, but also any other long police or fire incidents where they need potential, like I said, food and beverage and or a bathroom or a place that we can get victims out of the elements, away from media, a place for police and fire and Red Cross. We work directly with Red Cross to have interviews with these victims. It could be a SWAT call out. It could be a drowning down in Edmonds on Puget Sound or in Muckleteo. It could be a search and rescue event in South County all those things, and they'll call us to the scene so that we can be there. And this was the brilliant idea of our founder, Ken Gatiss, and he's the one who started this 40 years ago and has built the trust and the relationships with all of these police and fire agencies far before I started. He and I had a special relationship for a lot of years. We both were journalists in the past, and so that's how we bonded. With that said, I did a lot of things for him with Support 7, training his people and doing safety talks and things like that. I wasn't a chaplain and I wasn't part of Support 7 other than that before he died. It was September 2018 when he died. That's when I started taking over. That's another story. I want to go back to the Support 7 emergency response vehicle. The one we have now is the second one. The first one was a renovated aid car that they renovated inside so people could sit in it. 
And then a lot of the food and beverage was done outside of it. And we didn't have a bathroom. This is the second level of the motorhome, And we've had it for, well, more about 25 years now. So it's really getting old and we are going to be starting a campaign to replace that. We had this unit for 20, 25 years. It all started with Ken Gatiss. Like I said, started the chaplain program more than 40 years ago, but it wasn't very long after that, that he was on a drowning scene down at Puget Sound and it was raining and people were waiting around. Family members were coming to the scene in gobs, first responders there, and they needed food. They needed sustenance. We needed to get these people out. And Ken saw all this and, and saw the need and said, we can do better. We can do better than, than this. Uh, there must be a way we have something else to provide to these people and the first responders. And that's how it all started. And that vehicle is very unique to South County. We are very organized. We respond on scene 24 hours a day, both the incident response team and the first responder chaplains and our emergency unit is available. And we're also embedded in the agencies. Because of that, we're able to have a lot more trust. Those relationships have been helpful in the way that we're dispatched. We're dispatched very special. We actually are dispatched through the 911 system through an app on our smartphones. What brought you to this work originally? I do have a unique background in public safety. Being a firefighter, I'm a veteran. and I was a firefighter in the Air Force. And then I was a journalist, uh, editor of a local newspaper. Then I was recruited to become the PIO for Linwood Police. That's a public information officer. And I did crime prevention and safety classes. Then I had my own business called Safety Sessions, doing a lot of the same things I did for the police department. And then also, as you mentioned before, too, I am currently a sitting elected Linwood City Council person. And so I'm very embedded in South County. If I don't know how to do it or who has it or what the resource is, if I don't know, I know somebody who does. I'm a faithful person. I really prayed about this. When Ken died, unfortunately there wasn't a succession plan. And so we were really lost of what to do. His son came in briefly to take over to say, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? There wasn't a plan. What are we going to do? He called on me to help him communicate with all of the police and fire chiefs, the community leaders, the church leaders, because he knew I knew them all. And that's all I was doing was helping him get in the door to have these meetings. And I would sit there and of course, I know the way that what Support 7 does. Again, Ken and I were very close. Again, never had planned to, to take anything on. Over and over, the meetings that we had, we needed to make sure with all these stakeholders, is it time for Support 7 to die along with Ken or should it carry on? And everyone said overwhelmingly, it needs to carry on. We need it more than ever. The increase in suicides alone is incredible. Well, they're like, well, all we need is an executive director. Well, Every chief, every leader, well, Shannon could do it. Shannon's background, she had, oh, no, 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 Shannon's not doing it. I would say, no, no, Shannon has other things I'm doing. No, this is not what Shannon's doing. It wasn't in my plans, but you know, you never know what the Lord has planned. And I can tell you that it all happened pretty quickly. The decision was made for me. I didn't really make the decision and I obeyed. I was headed to a safety talk for my business. I was doing a safety talk at a school in South Seattle and it was early morning on a Monday. So there was traffic. I was heading South on I-5, just like everybody else and all the traffic, we were going pretty heavy and good speed, 60, 70 miles per hour. In the distance, I could see the overpass and I could see a person standing on the overpass. 
And I was like, oh no, what? There's not supposed to be a person standing there. So it gets your attention. I'm coming towards the overpass. I'm saying, no, no, what, what, what are you doing? What's that person doing on the overpass? And all of a sudden they, they put their leg over and they get on the other side as I'm driving. And I said, no, 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 you're not. No, you're not. And from this day, I don't know if it was a male or female, but I always think it's a female because when she put her leg over and got on the other side, she waited and she pulled her shirt down because her belly was showing. I could see this all the way coming close to her. And I'm like, oh no, no, you're not. No, you're not. And then I'm thinking to myself, why aren't you jumping now? And I look in my rear view mirror and there's two semis behind me. She waits till I go under and she goes behind me and everything stopped. And my heart just stopped. There's no stopping now. I call 911. I'm on the phone telling them what's happened. And all I could think of was not that woman who chose to make that decision that day, but all the lives she just changed. Those semi-truck drivers, the other drivers, the first responders, the family that she left behind, all those things, it really hit me that that's where I wanted to be. And that's where I needed to be. The Lord decides when these things happen. I don't think he made that decision for this person, but why I was there at that moment, I do believe was an answer to prayer. And I realized that that was something I needed to do. Well, it's been history since then. I've been trained and licensed chaplain as the executive director of Support 7. I do all the hiring and all the training, making sure we get all the training and all of the things, all the liability and insurance and all the things that we need to do to run and be safe and continue those relationships with our agencies. I am completely called to be there. I feel completely on purpose when I'm there. Just like the rest of our chaplains, I have some wonderful people and our volunteers who support this community in this special, special way. It's not the same as volunteering at the library. It's not for everybody, but it's special. And we see so many beautiful things happen. So many people ask us, oh my gosh, how do you do that? For me, it's the faith. It doesn't make us Teflon, but I see the hope in every incident that happens. With that said, with the awful things that happen, the relationships that are built and the positive things that happen outweigh the negative by far to see the way that we are helping, directly helping our neighbors in this community and our first responders is incredible. It's a privilege that we don't take lightly. I think what surprised me most on the video was the people telling the stories of what they had been through. If we haven't had a tragedy, we may not understand the importance. I wondered if you would talk a little bit about, you had said, does this die with Ken or do we keep it going? What do you need and how can we support you and the nonprofit? Because we know people listening are going, I had no idea and I want to give back. Oh, thank you for asking that. Just like you said in the video, some of the best people who are there to help now and who are part of our team are people who've had great loss themselves. When we go on a scene, we might be there for three hours, four hours, and that might be the very last time we ever talk to those people. Sometimes though, we need to follow up the next day, or they want us to follow up and do things for days, weeks, months. Some incidents turn out to be victims or part of our lives for years or become part of our team because they can help people because of their loss. Others, we're a reminder of the worst day of their life. And so we need to respect that too. I've never been really good for asking for money, but I can tell you that I would hate for us to die on the vine because of something like that. 
I really would like the opportunity to speak with different groups who are able and willing to give financially to us. It's not a hard thing to sell. It's actually an absolute incredible critical service that's provided. And so I know that there's people out there who've been touched like this or wish that they had something like this, who also have means that feel like this would be a good fit for them. With that said, also, I mean, we are volunteers. Our group are mostly are all volunteers work. So I'm always looking for special people, certain people to join our team. Like I said, it's not a good fit for everybody. Again, if anybody has any opportunities for me to speak to them, also to keep in mind in South County that if they know somebody who needs help, if they know somebody who's had a great loss that didn't have the opportunity of a chaplain to walk them through the next steps. We're available to talk to them too. Don't hesitate to contact us through our website, which is www.supportnumber7.org. I'm sure we know who can. I've worked with a lot of people in nonprofits and so often they come from the regular business world and they don't want to ask. And I hear you say that, but the one thing that I witnessed and then also I hear uh, when COVID hit, all of the nonprofits all of their fundraising, they all had to pivot. They all had to change. Then they thought nobody has any money. And so then it was harder to ask. If I've learned anything by watching this is number one, giving $5 a month is going to be a huge impact. Money may be tight, but if it's something we care about, we can afford that. And number two is, and I'm sure you see this, people who have given and then they thank you because you gave them an opportunity and especially i hear this about the pacific northwest that we are very generous and that we are people that love to give and love to help and so when we give people that opportunity and they get to do something that makes them feel good mm. they're so grateful there are going to be people that are going to be like i have been looking yeah. for a place to sink some money in. i've been looking for a project Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I think one of the things about us that's a little unique too, when it comes to asking for money is when we're on scene, of course, we never, ever take any funding for the work we do, but we come alongside police and fire. So everybody assumes they're taking care of us, that we're taxpayer funded because certainly a service like this would be paid for, for goodness sakes, because people just assume that, that we're completely taken care of. But on purpose, we don't take taxpayer funding so we can stay independent, so we can do some of the creative, independent things that we that we get to do that we wouldn't get to do if we were part of a government agency. And so I wanted to make that clear. Just like you said, us too, we had to pivot during COVID. We had a chaplain response hotline for a few months when we couldn't be on scene, but mostly we haven't changed a thing. We've been responding all along in the same capacity, all different high profile incidents. And one way we did it, like you said, we couldn't have a banquet for a fundraiser. So we started what's called the South Snohomish County First Responder Calendar. 2022 is our second one. It's really exciting. We sell them for $25 a piece, less right now. We're in August for goodness sakes. But what's cool about this is that it has beautiful photos of our first responders in South Snohomish County, also our dispatchers and our medical examiner's office, because we also serve them. I want to remind everybody that our dispatchers are our first of our first responders and our medical examiner's office is the last of our first responders and police and fire and medics 
and custody officers are all in between. Also in this calendar has crisis information, crisis contact information, police, uh, crime prevention, safety tips, and fire safety tips as well. So it's helpful, not just beautiful with our beautiful first responders. You can find those two on our website. All these connections that you have in this community, but you're not necessarily supported by them. If people understand that, they'll yeah. even be more willing to donate because I think people want to know that their money is doing something. When you look at that video, you see the stories. Do you have a favorite story or do you have anything that, you know, really stands out to you you'd like us to know? Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. There are so many, but I do have something off the top of my head I like to share sometimes because I think it's it's something that most people can relate to. Unfortunately, I have a lot of really traumatic, sad, violent stories as well that I'm not going to share today. But like I said, it's interesting to me being on scene how different every incident is every person's different every situation's different and nothing is routine quote routine to the person it's happening to but an unexpected natural death tends to be more routine to first responders and and actually to us too we don't take it lightly of course but i want to give you an example of a way that we serve Here's an example, a middle-aged man who died. He was um, in his mid fifties, him and his wife were just finally, you know, empty nesters. So many of you listeners can relate to this. I mean, you're still young. That's young. You're not supposed to die right then that you're not expecting that. And you finally are empty nesters. Your kids are in college or doing other things. And you wake up that morning, you have breakfast with your wife and you don't realize the whole day is about to change. And what happened was with this husband and wife, they were at home and he collapsed. He collapsed totally unexpectedly. He had no other medical issues in front of the front door. It was actually inside on in the entryway of his front door. So it was hard to get in because he was kind of against the door. And his wife was just obviously just beside herself and in shock and mortified and fire and police come to the scene. They're doing all they can to revive her husband. And she's standing there. She, she calls her friend, her best friend comes over and, and they have CPR in progress. And as things aren't going well, the battalion chief notices things aren't going well and go ahead and gets on the radio and calls a chaplain to the scene and chaplain is coming to the scene. They let her in. And then in the meantime, she knows that her son, who's an adult, is coming home from work and is going to notice this. And she says, I cannot have my son here. My son cannot see her, his dad like this. I can't let that happen. There was two other children who were in college and, but this son was nearby coming home from work. And the chaplain said, well, well, what if he wants to see his dad before he goes? No, he can't see him like this. This would upset him. This is a horrible situation. Look at the way he looks. He doesn't even look like himself. And this call in particular, the medical examiner was coming to pick him up. It doesn't always work like that, depending on the circumstances that the remains, the loved one might be released to the family. Well, in this case, it wasn't the, the medical examiner was coming because it was just so unexpected. There was no health issues. So anyway, the medical examiner came and because of the relationships that we have as chaplains with our medical examiner's office, and because we know that in this moment, this mom may regret her decision right now because we're thinking bigger and broader and she's still in shock and not thinking in the future. 
we talked to the medical examiner and says, can we get him cleaned up? Can we get him up on the gurney? Can I help you clean him up? And can we present this again to, to the wife? Then maybe she'll let the son come in. And he did, he was there and he wanted to come in and she kept saying no. And sure enough, they did that. And by that, having that relationship and, and being that liaison that that chaplain was, they did that. They cleaned him up and then brought the wife back in. The wife just looked at him and says, oh, there's my husband. She puts her hands on his face and kisses him and caresses his face and says, okay, this is my husband. This is him. We can let the son in now. Just because of that and those relationships and that conversation and those suggestions, we were able to bring the two together so they could have this moment together to say goodbye to their loved one. And we prevented probably a lot of regret and complications and arguments and bitterness in the future that if she wasn't going to let her adult son see his dad. And, but that wasn't the case. And that's not the way it ended. And that is just one example of a way that we serve on scene in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect. That's such a beautiful story because whenever something like that happens, it's usually a first time and nobody knows what to do. And so then you bring in the professionals. So this is what has stood out to me today. Number one, go watch the video. I will attach it. <laughs> Look at the calendar and get one because it's got really good information. You can use it for gifts for Christmas and support the organization. And we'll have another one out for 2023 before Christmas. Awesome. And then donate to this organization. You know, once you recognize it's not supported, 501c3, is that what it I is? Say? It is. And so that way we keep it alive. And just that one story, I hate to think this way, but we always think it'll never be us. But if it is us, we certainly want that perspective. We yeah. certainly want someone that would be able to walk in and, and be kind and yeah. not forceful, but helpful. The next thing I would say for any of you who have friends and family who've had great loss and aren't sure how to deal with it, how to talk to other people. I want to just really encourage you to be a presence, a silent presence to your friend or family member. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to say the right thing. The most important thing and the biggest thing that people remember is that you were there. I guess that's the best way to finish this is just really encourage you not to be afraid to reach out to those people. Even if it just happened, the loss just happened. Even if it's a death by suicide, don't make that taboo. Use the person who was lost, who was who died, use their name and don't be afraid to reach out and just be present. You don't have to say anything else. Just say, I'm here for you. I love that. And as you can see, Shannon is an amazing speaker and she would love to come and speak to your group. If you have a book club, if you have an organization, reach out to her on this webpage, which is support7.org. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Shannon. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.